0: This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're focusing on back-to-school. We've got some great budgeting advice for parents, and if there was ever a year that that advice is needed, certainly it's this year. Joining me for discussion is Julie Cole. She's a speaker and parenting expert and co-founder and senior director of public relations for Mabel's Labels, Inc. And Lauren Robillard, media marketing specialist and content creation assistant to award-winning author Robin Tobe. Thank you both for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. So ladies, in a few short weeks, children will be heading back to school, and and we know that this can really be a stressful time for parents, even more so this year, of course, because of the the soaring inflation, increases in interest rates, everything that we're seeing with the economy right now. So there's been a few surveys released recently, and the results really are concerning. According to a poll by Research Co, the near majority of Atlantic Canadians, at 47%, rate their financial situation as poor, or very poor. Many admit they have worried about their savings and investments over the past few months and concerning as well is that Atlantic Canadians are not optimistic things will improve. The near majority again at 48% also expect things to get worse in the coming months. Another poll, this one conducted by CPA Canada shows one quarter of Canadians describe their current financial state as merely surviving. Just listen to the stats uncovered within this survey. Roughly one in four Canadians feel worse off financially than they did just a year ago one-third at 34 percent are optimistic they'll be better off financially a year from now but this means the majority currently are not optimistic about their financial future and Money related stress remains really high, with two-thirds at of 65% of Canadians admitting they are worried about money. And no surprise that debt is their biggest stressor. So half of Canadians at 49% have debt, and two-thirds at 68% of those with debt are concerned about it. One in four have carried forward a credit card balance in the past year, a similar proportion, 23%, plan to do this over the next month. And nearly half of 45% borrowed money over the past year to cover day-to-day expenses this poll also shows that when it comes to emergency funds and savings many are financially strapped so saving money was mentioned most often as a cause for financial stress for nearly half of poll participants 47% and only a little over half at 54% actually have an emergency fund Half at 50% say they would not be able to come up with $2,500 in a pinch, two in five can't come up with $1,000, and one in four can't come up with $500 during an emergency without borrowing or selling something. So I think that's important to note, right, that it's not that they can't come up with these funds by, you know, getting a loan or using their credit cards. It's just they don't have it in, in a bank account as uh, emergency savings. So when you look at the results of this survey, I think there is cause for concern, and and we know that the pandemic definitely took a financial toll on many Canadians, and ongoing financial uncertainty due to soaring inflation and and raising interest rates, like we said, really are troublesome. We know inflation is at a 40-year high, and it really has left many household budgets significantly stretched. So I'll start with
1: you, Julie. What do you think about these poll results, And, and, and do you find them concerning as well? Yeah, look, it is very concerning. I think for families, they're really, really feeling feeling the crunch. And certainly um, the pandemic had an impact on that. We saw how the pandemic pandemic had um, a serious impact on women and uh, women's work. Um, and, uh, and of course, that um, then track, trickles down to families. And as you say, like with this back to school and the, the amount of spending parents do um, around at this time of year, I mean, obviously, I see it at Mabel's Labels, right? Like we are, um, you know, just making labels 24-7 right now because it's back to school season. It's our busiest season. And and then, you know, you see these families buying all these expensive things and they don't want to lose them, which is why they come to us, right? Um, but certainly it is it is very concerning for families. And I, I found it very shocking that um, when you talked about the emergency funds and how, how um, you know, in a pinch that people could not act so it's not even like large amounts of money. Yeah, it is,
0: um, it is troubling, really. And I thought, you know, we heard a lot as the pandemic began that people were hyper aware of the need for an emergency fund, right? Because mm-hmm. the pandemic showed that, you know, even people who thought their jobs were secure found themselves with reduced work or with uh, no work at all, right? And so it really highlighted that it can happen to anyone and, and it really is important to have an emergency fund. But I think, you know, as we come out of, the pandemic, and we see these rising costs with you know just about everything, right? And, and things that everybody needs, like groceries and, and gas and stuff like that. I think that's probably taken a toll on people's ability to put savings away, which is, is really unfortunate.
1: For we sure, also and I know. Can't... Oh, sorry, okay, I, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to add to, and I think you know, when you're talking about back to school spending, um, I think parents will stretch themselves, I think there's pressure, right. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants their kid to go back to school
0: in a positive way, right, in a positive state of mind. And and, and lots of times parents are worried about their kids keeping up with what other kids have, right? And, and to your point, they're often willing to stretch their finances to make sure that their kids do have what they need and that they do feel like they've got uh, what other kids in, the, in their class have. And while more than half of 57% of back-to-school shoppers surveyed are concerned about inflation, many actually remain determined to purchase the news clause as we said so that's a really high percentage spending is actually expected to jump 5.8 percent to 34.4 billion this year and while inflation is part of the reason for this increase the survey also shows the spike is because parents are prepared to spend so according to polls the average spending per student this year is expected to increase by eight percent To $661. That figure represents a 27% rise from pre pandemic levels. So, what do you think about uh, this form? And and are you surprised at all that parents are willing to stress themselves to get their kids' classroom ready?
2: Home? I am surprised a little bit, but I think after, you know, two full years of um, school years being affected by the pandemic, um, parents want their kids, you know, to be ready for back to school in person. So some might think that spending a lot is part of getting the kids classroom ready, but there's definitely ways to be ready for back to school without spending a ton. Um, I know with inflation and rising costs, parents also are going to know that this year is probably going to be more expensive than the last time that they went back to school shopping. Yeah, and I think, you know,
0: to see the 8% increase uh, in what's being spent wasn't really a surprise because that's what we're hearing where we are with inflation right now, right? We're at about 8%. But to mm. be a 27% rise from pre-pandemic, I think that is uh, is where the concern lies for sure. That's significant. Mm.
1: And it's interesting to, to what Lauren says that what parents, you know, they, they, they want to start their kids off on the right foot. It hasn't been, you know, school schooling has been so strange through, through the pandemic. And there is this extreme pressure, you know, that, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, you want your kids to have all the things um, to set them up for success. But I think often it's what parents think their kids need to set them up for success. And I found this through the pandemic as well, you know, people, kids were working from home studying from home and parents felt very pressured to have beautiful workstations for them and desks and laptops and and that sort of thing and while yes that is ideal um, kids can learn around a kitchen table with siblings around them as well so what we what we think they need and what they actually need can be two different things Um, but I think there is pressure for parents and it's it's very competitive and you want to make sure your kid is uh, getting a, a good head start um, and I mean, we do see that parents will sacrifice other things and go into debt for the sake of their kids and for keeping up appearances. No, absolutely. And we did see that in the polls as well, right, that many
0: were planning to use their savings, but even more planning to use credit, right, to get the, the back to school supplies. And many said they wouldn't be able to to pay it off right at the end of that same month. So like, you know, carrying the charges forward and, and incurring interest and so on. So knowing all all that and knowing you know impulse buying and, and pressure from kids and of course parental guilt maybe more than any of the others, um, makes parents want to stretch their their cash flow and, and really this year breaking the bank in order to afford these back-to-school seasonal supplies Julie what advice do you have for parents on avoiding these influences, and, and how can they have um, some cost-saving measures I guess or be more cognizant of how to budget for this
1: Right. Well, I think the first thing is to create a budget and make sure that you know there's no point in having a budget if you're not gonna to stick to it, right? Um, get your kids involved in doing that. Um, you know what the kids uh, it's it's a good learning experience for them. It's good practice for when they're grown ups. Um, I think um, as far as avoiding the influences, I think you need to remind your children and yourself that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. We don't need all the things that other people have. Sometimes I think with social media, we are seeing what we think everybody else has and what their lives look like. You know, maybe it's time if you find yourself not feeling happy when you're um, seeing what other people have uh, on social media, time to, time to turn it, turn it off. And, and, and try not to, you know, be materialistic yourself role model that to your children so that they don't um, kind of fall under the influences and then end up in a terrible position where you've overspent.
0: Yeah, I think that's some really great advice. And you're right, a budget is the first place to start. And certainly making sure you're sticking to the budget. There's no point in creating it if you're not going to sort of revisit it and make sure you're on track with it. So we'll have some tips on how you can go about that budget when we come back. Please stay with us.
1: Take a break. Join us weekdays from 12 30 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon. My guest today are Julie Cole. She's a speaker and parenting expert and co-founder and senior director of public relations for Mabel's Labels, Inc. And Lauren Robilliard, media marketing specialist and content creation assistant to award-winning author Robin Tope And of course, Robin's been on the show before she's written several financial advice books including the wisest investment teaching your kids to be responsible independent and money smart for life so we're talking today about back to school and providing some advice for parents on getting their children classroom ready without breaking the bank so julie mentioned at the end of the last segment that the first step really is creating a budget and making sure that you're sticking to it as you get your kids ready for back to school so lauren what cost saving tips or budgeting tips can you provide uh,
2: to parents today they. Yeah, for sure. There's all, all sorts of ways to help reduce costs and stick to your back to school budget. Um, first, you can review a school supply list if you can. Sometimes they're sent before school starts, uh, sometimes after. Usually, like in the first few days of school, I remember personally, students won't need a lot for that first week more than pencils, notebooks. And by the time you get a school supply list, um, sales may have already started. Of course, you can, um, you know, take inventory of what you have at home, gather what you have from last year that still works like a backpack, pencil sharpeners, you know, some things um, don't have to be new. And when you go to the store, um, taking advantage of sale, comparison shopping, coupons, um, shopping at low-cost places um, can really help you stick to your back-to-school budget. Now that's some great advice. And, you know, before the break, uh, Julia also
0: mentioned it's a great opportunity to involve your kids in this process. Right and and making sure that yeah. they understand where the budget is great opportunity to find those sort of teaching moments right for your kids so let's talk about that a little bit. how can back-to-school shopping serve as this valuable learning opportunity for kids and and what are the key takeaways or lessons uh, that we should have them learn here?
1: Yeah, you know it's um you know it's interesting I'm a mom of six so um, you know, I'm a big fan of the lessons. I'm a big fan of hand-me-downs. <laughs> um, so I think, like, along with Lauren's excellent tips there, like, for me, uh, definitely the inventory. And that's not just for me. I do this actually in June. When they come home, I'm like, okay, let's sharpen all those pencil crayons now so that they're ready for September. Let's have a look at And then everything goes away so that you have a real understanding. Also, you know, pull out those school uniforms. What's still fitting? What can go down to a young, uh, younger sibling? What can go the school's often have a uniform sale where you trade them in. So you don't have to be buying school uniforms um, uh, brand new. The trades are great. Also, the mom Facebook groups, and I'm telling you, we've got I've got a Facebook group for every school my children are at, and we, you know, anybody else getting rid of a size small adult hoodie? Anybody have some size 12 shorts? So we do a lot there and a lot of trading. Um, so that that's a great way uh, to to save money. And also, when you're doing the back to school shopping, and this is a lesson I talk to my kids about, is certain <clears throat> things you want to spend a little bit of money on so that you get the quality. For me, a good backpack they will carry for five years and I don't buy them franchised backpacks because if they get um, something with say Paw Patrol on it, they'll be over Paw Patrol by next year. So you'll have to buy a new backpack with a new so we don't do franchises um, and we do very gender neutral colors so that it can go to any child of any gender or however that child identifies um, so yeah, very much around going to consignment shops, doing doing all that. You don't need brand new and also this is teaching kids about the environment. My kids love thrifting. There's a big fad in thrifting now. Um and the young ones love to do that and it makes and, and, and teaching them about stewardship of their belongings, uh there's a lot of lessons around that as well you know i think that's great
0: and you know we, we talk a lot about um the fomo right the fear of missing out that social ah. media creates and we even mentioned in the first segment right that maybe take a break from social media if you're finding that it's putting you in a, in a state of mind where you feel like you need to, to spend additional money but it does have its perks right and it does have those silver linings like you're talking about here with setting up groups with different parents to be able to do these exchanges right and and save money and, and it's new to your child and most of these things are in really great condition because maybe the child only worked for a season and, and grew out of it or, or whatever the case may be. So I think that's a fabulous idea and, a, and I know uh, many parents do take advantage and, and if you're not taking advantage of those groups and certainly a reason I think to, to get signed up and involved in that. So how does back to school budgeting specifically help your kids plan for, for their future, Lauren?
2: Uh, well, I think back-to-school budgeting can help them uh, because budgeting is applicable in many other areas, such as uh, grocery shopping. You know, you have your needs, which are healthy foods like fruit, whole grains, protein, um, and those are much different than the wants, which are, you know, junk food. And that you, you're seeing that in um, back-to-school shopping, right? Like the kids might want scented markers, but what they really need are the, the pencils and the lunch kit. Um, so I think that including them in the back-to-school budgeting um, can help them learn that budgeting can be used in all sorts of um, different places.
1: It's so yeah, true, Lauren. Sure. I totally yeah. I really agree with that. Getting them involved, and you know what, this is just an example of one area that you budgeted. Get them in involved in budgeting for your groceries. Get them involved in budget. You know, help them like planning for a, if you're doing a family trip. Okay, so mm-hmm. say we're going to Disney. What are we going to budget? I'm not going to buy you every little Mickey Mouse thing that you see. So maybe you get one thing when we go on holiday, or but involve them in that process because it's practice. You know, being a child is practicing. And I'm telling you as a mom of six, I do not want to be paying for these children when they're adults. So I want them to budget. I want them to know how to deal with their money. I do not want them living in my basement. I want them grown and flown. I love them. And I want to be an empty nester one day. And I do not want to be <laughs> financially supporting these people. Um, and I always say like by teaching them budgeting, by helping them problem solve, today's problem solvers are tomorrow's leaders. So let's give them the tools and the opportunity now.
0: Oh, I love that. Today's problem problem solvers are tomorrow's leaders. I think that's fabulous, Julie. I'm going to lose, use that in the future for sure. <laughs> but I think it's so important, right, to show kids um, these important lessons. And, you know, it doesn't mean that they can't have that one thing that's super important and is really going to, from their perspective, get them started on the right track for school. But if you show them the overall budget, you can have conversations with them. Well, okay, well, if you really want that uh, backpack or you really want the these sneakers, um, then maybe it means we need to cut back in another area or you may not be able to get um, this particular item or brand name in in something else, right? So that they're involved in the decision making and understand the repercussions of choosing one thing over another, right? I know that, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, you have kids out shopping and you'll, they'll want something and say, okay, well, did you want to spend your own money on that? And very quickly, you can see the wheels turning. Okay, do mm-hmm. I want it that bad
1: that I want to what? spend? 100% I call it skin in the game and you know if you say you know what I like that backpack too it's a little over budget so I'll pay for half of you pay for half and then if they're like you know what I think I'm okay and you then you know it's not a priority for them right but yeah I, I love the skin in the game thing for sure. Yeah, it is a great learning for them, and it does get them thinking about what,
0: like, the tangible, like, what what it actually costs, right, and and as opposed to I just want that. So I love those lessons for sure. So, of course, one of the other really expensive parts of going back to school is that it's when kids really get involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. And, of course, with those often come added expenses. So, Julie, how do parents manage the cost
1: of extracurricular activities because they really can add up? They can really add up, and um, I think everything's even spiked a little bit since COVID because I, a lot of these organizations really, you know, took a hit as well. I know with the hockey. So a few things that I definitely do. Um, uh, as, you know, that, that mom of all these kids is I go for the early so my kids would already be registered by now I get the early bird specials I if I register for dance and pay up front by the end of June then I, you know, get a 10% discount, so I'll go for that. I can actually, believe it or not um, I get sibling discounts so with three girls in hockey my third girl got 50% off and say with my three boys so ask, say, is there a sibling discount you'd be surprised, sometimes, sometimes there is. The other thing that I think, you know, kind of fits in with this conversation really well and there were some lessons through COVID, um, which is... I don't think our kids need to do all the things. You know, I think my kids were a little over-programmed. You know, they all had an instrument, you know, we prioritized the instrument in the sport. Um, but, you know, when everything shut down through COVID, I'm like, they're actually okay just playing on the court. They're okay just hiking in the ravine. They're okay, just, you know, so maybe they can just have a paper route. You know, I feel a little bit like the seven with COVID, the seventies called and they wanted their children back. And I gave them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think it did give us all the the thing that our kids don't have to be, you know, doing something programmed expensive every night of the week. So prioritize, pick one that has to do with their interests and then, you know, make them get a paper route, make them play with friends on the street. You know, the things that that we learned through COVID can be fun. Yeah. And, you know, I
0: I think that's so important because not all the time, but sometimes I think kids are in so many activities because it's what their parents want them Mm -hmm. to be involved in. And Mm -hmm. I think having those conversations with your kids about what do they really enjoy and what are their interests and things that they're going to want to participate in. And and of course you want them to be active and and it's certainly uh, important, but there's, there's ways to your point to get them active without necessarily having them involved in dance and hockey and soccer and like all the, all the things, right, that,
1: uh, and I, that take up their I, time. I... And and it doesn't have to be like, I'll tell you what, like my kids with the hockey, you know, nobody plays direct hockey. I tell them there's enough kids in our own town for them to play with. Don't I think parents really get sucked into like that dance competition stuff. It's a racket. It is so expensive. And remember, you know, your kids are just doing this for the joy, right? And Mm -hmm. as soon as they're not getting joy, nobody's going to the National ballet. Nobody's going to the NHL here. We've got to be realistic. So our are you willing to sacrifice every weekend are you willing to spend 10 dollars dollars a year because that's what it costs you know so really think about as a family you know do you want one parent going in one direction with one kid another parent going is that what you want your weekends to be and maybe you do but i would have the conversation because you know that is that is like family values that is a lot of expense and it is a lot of time and there are great activities out there that are very educational very social and very inexpensive I'm talking like cubs and brownies and scouting like there are some things that your kids can get involved with that will not break the bank
0: No, oh, absolutely and of course you know no one's saying here that if that's what your family enjoys and that's what your family wants to and more importantly that's what your family can afford then absolutely right. like you know you you got you do you but of course we're here to talk about ways where if it's unaffordable things that you should be thinking about right so when we come back We're going to shift our focus a little bit and talk about older children and those heading off to college or university. So please stay with us.
1: Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon. My guests today are Julie Cole. She's a speaker and parenting expert and co-founder and senior director of public relations for Mabel's Labels, Inc., and Lauren Robilliard, media marketing specialist and content creation assistant to award-winning author Robin Tobe. And, of course, Robin's been on the show before. She's written several financial advice books, including The Wisest Investment, Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life. So we're talking today about back to school and providing some advice for parents on getting their children classroom ready without breaking the bank. So Julie mentioned at the end of the last segment that the first step really is creating a budget and making sure that you're sticking to it as you get your kids ready for back to school. So, Lauren, what cost-saving tips or budgeting tips can you provide uh, to parents today?
2: Yeah, for sure. There's all, all sorts of ways to help reduce costs and stick to your back to school budget. Um, first, you can review a school supply list if you can. Sometimes they're sent before school starts, uh, sometimes after. Usually, like in the first few days of school, I remember personally, students won't need a lot for that first week more than pencils, notebooks. And by the time you get a school supply list, um, sales may have already started. Of course, you can, um, you know, take take inventory of what you have at home, gather what you have from last year that still works like a backpack, pencil sharpeners, you know, some things um, don't have to be new. And when you go to the store, um, taking advantage of sale, comparison shopping, coupons, um, shopping at low-cost places um, can really help you stick to your back-to-school budget. That's some great advice.
0: And, you know, before the break, uh, Julie, you also mentioned it's a great opportunity to involve your kids in this process right and, and making sure that they understand where the budget is great opportunity to find those sort of teaching moments right for your kids so let's talk about that a little bit how can back to school shopping serve as this valuable learning opportunity for kids and and what are the key takeaways or lessons uh, that we should have them learn here
1: yeah you know it's um you know it's interesting i'm a mom of six so um you know, I'm a big fan of the lessons. I'm a big fan of hand-me-downs. <laughs> um, so I think, like, along with Lauren's excellent tips there, like, for me, uh, definitely the inventory. And that's not just for me. I do this actually in June. When they come home, I'm like, okay, let's sharpen all those pencil crayons now so that they're ready for September. Let's have a look at and then everything goes away so that you have a real understanding. Also, you know, pull out those school uniforms. What's still fitting? What can go down to a, yo- a younger sibling? What can go the school's often have a uniform sale where you trade them in so you don't have to be buying school uniforms um, uh, brand new. The trades are great. Also, the mom Facebook groups, and I'm telling you, we've got I've got a Facebook group for every school my children are at, and we, you know, anybody else getting rid of a size small adult hoodie? Anybody have some size twelve shorts? So we do a lot there and a lot of trading. Um, so that that's a great way uh, to, to save money. And also, when you're doing the back to school shopping, and this is a lesson I talk to my kids about, is certainly <clears throat> things you want to spend a little bit of money on so that you get the quality for me a good backpack they will carry for five years and I don't buy them franchised backpacks because if they get um, something with say Paw Patrol on it they'll be over Paw Patrol by next year so you'll have to buy a new backpack with a new so we don't do franchises um, and we do very gender neutral colors so that it can go to any child of any gender or however that child identifies um so yeah very much around going to consignment shops doing doing all that you don't need brand new and also this is teaching kids about the environment my kids love thrifting there's a big fad in thrifting now um and the young ones love to do that and it makes and and, and teaching them about stewardship of their belongings uh there's a lot of lessons around that as well you know I think
0: that's great and you know we, we talk a lot about um, the FOMO right the fear of missing out that social ah. media creates and we even mentioned in the first segment right that maybe take a break from social media if you're finding that it's putting you in a, in a state of mind where you feel like you need to, to spend additional money but it does have its perks right and it does have those silver linings like you're talking about here with setting up groups with different parents to be able to do these exchanges right and, and save money and, and it's new to your child and most of these things are in really great condition because maybe the child only worked for a season and and grew out of it or or whatever the case may be so I think that's a fabulous idea and and I know uh, many parents do take advantage and and if you're not taking advantage of those groups and certainly a reason I think to to get signed up and involved in that so how does back to school budgeting specifically help your kids plan for for the future Lauren?
2: Uh, well, I think back-to-school budgeting can help them uh, because budgeting is applicable in many other areas, such as uh, grocery shopping. You know, you have your needs, which are healthy foods like fruit, whole grains, protein, um, and those are much different than the wants, which are, you know, junk food. And that you, you're seeing that in um, back-to-school shopping, right? Like the kids might want scented markers, but what they really need are the, the pencils and the lunch kit. Um, so I think that including them in the back-to-school budgeting um, can help them learn that budgeting can be used in all sorts of um, different places. It's so yeah, true,
1: Lauren. True. I totally, yeah, I really agree with that. Getting them involved, and you know what, this is just an example of one area that you budgeted. Get them in, involved in budgeting for your groceries. Get them involved in budget, you know, help them like planning for a, if you're doing a family trip. Okay, so mm-hmm. say we're going to Disney. What are we going to budget? I'm not going to buy you every little Mickey Mouse thing that you see. So maybe you get one thing when we go on holiday, or but involve them in that process because it's practice. You know, being a child practicing and I'm telling you as a mom of six I do not want to be paying for these children when they're adults so I want them to budget I want them to know how to deal with their money I do not want them living in my basement I want them grown and flown I love them and I want to be an empty nester one day and I do not want to be (laughs) financially supporting these people Um, and I always say like by teaching them budgeting by helping them problem solve today's problem solvers are tomorrow's leaders so let's give them the tools and the opportunity now.
0: Oh, I love that. Today's problem problem solvers are tomorrow's leaders. I think that's fabulous, Julie. I'm going to lose, use that in the future for sure. <laughs> but I think it's so important, right, to show kids um, these important lessons. And, you know, it doesn't mean that they can't have that one thing that's super important and is really going to, from their perspective, get them started on the right track for school. But if you show them the overall budget, you can have conversations with them. Well, okay, well, if you really want that uh, backpack or you really want the sneakers, um, then maybe it means we need to cut back in another area or you may not be able to get um, this particular item or brand name in in something else, right? So that they're involved in the decision making and understand the repercussions of choosing one thing over another, right? I know that, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, you have kids out shopping and they'll want something and say, okay, well, did you want to spend your own money on that? And very quickly, you can see the wheels turning. Okay, do Mm I want it that bad that I want
1: to spend? 100% 100%, 100%, 100% I call it skin in the game and you know if you say you know what I like that backpack too it's a little over budget so I'll pay for half of you pay for half and then if they're like you know what I think I'm okay and you then you know it's not yeah. a priority for them right but yeah I, I love the skin in the game thing for sure.
0: Yeah, it is a great learning for them, and it does get them thinking about what, like, the tangible, like, what what it actually costs, right, and and as opposed to I just want that. So I I love those lessons for sure. So, of course, one of the other really expensive parts of going back to school is that it's when kids really get involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. And, of course, with those often come added expenses. So, Julie, how do parents manage the cost of extracurricular
1: activities because they really can add up? They can really add up. And um, I think everything's even spiked a little bit since COVID because I, a lot of these organizations really, you know, took a hit as well. I know with the hockey. So a few things that I definitely do um, uh, as, you know, that, that mom of all these kids is I go for the early. So my kids would already be registered by now. I get the early bird specials. I, If I register for dance and pay up front by the end of June, then I, you know, get a 10% discount. So I'll go for that. I can actually, believe it or not, um, I get sibling discounts. So with three girls in hockey, my third girl got 50% off, and same with my three boys. So ask, say, is there a sibling discount? You'd be surprised. Sometimes sometimes there is. The other thing that I think you know kind of fits in with this conversation really well, and there were some lessons through COVID, um, which is... I don't think our kids need to do all the things. You know, I think my kids were a little over-programmed. You know, they all had an instrument. You know, we prioritized an instrument in the sport. Um, but, you know, when everything shut down through COVID, I'm like, they're actually okay just playing on the court. They're okay just hiking in the ravine. They're okay, just, you know, so maybe they can just have a paper route. You know, I feel a little bit like the seven, with COVID, the 70s called and they wanted their children back. And I gave them. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I think it did give us all the the thing that our kids don't have to be, you know, doing something programmed expensive every night of the week. So prioritize, pick one that has to do with their interests and then, you know, make them get a paper route, make them play with friends on the street. You know, the things that that we learned through COVID can be fun. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that's
0: so important because not all the time, but sometimes I think kids are in so many activities because it's what their parents want them Mm -hmm. to be involved in. And Mm -hmm. I think having those conversations with your kids about what do they really enjoy and what are their interests and things that they're going to want to participate in. And and of course, you want them to be active and and it's certainly uh, important, but there's, there's ways to your point to get them active without necessarily having them involved in dance and hockey and soccer and like all the, all the things, right, that, uh, I, that take up
1: their and time. I, and, and it doesn't have to be, like, I'll tell you what, like, my kids with the hockey, you know, nobody plays for hockey. I tell them th- there's enough kids in our own town for them to play with. Don't, I think parents really get sucked into, like, that dance competition stuff, it's a racket. It is so expensive. And remember, you know, your kids are just doing this for the joy, right? And mm-hmm. as soon as they're not getting joy, nobody's going to the National ballet. Nobody's going to the NHL here. We've got to be realistic. So, are you willing to sacrifice every weekend? Are you willing to spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year? Because that's what it costs, you know. So, really think about as a family. You know, do you want one parent going in one direction with one kid, another parent going? Is that what you want your weekends to be? And maybe you do. But I would have the conversation because you know that is that is like family values. That is a lot of expense and it is a lot of time. And there are great activities out there that are very educational, very social, and very inexpensive. I'm talking like cubs and brownies and scouting. Like there are some things that your kids can get involved with that will not break the bank.
0: No, absolutely and of course you know no one's saying here that if that's what your family enjoys and that's what your family wants to and more importantly if that's what your family can afford then absolutely right. like you know you you got you do you but of course we're here to talk about ways where if it's unaffordable things that you should be thinking about right so when we come back we're going to shift our focus a little bit and talk about older children and those heading off to college or university so please stay with us.
1: Join Brian Medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels, newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with BDO. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guests today are Julie Cole. She's a speaker and parenting expert and co-founder and senior director of public relations for Mabel's Labels, Inc., and Lauren Rebilliard, media marketing specialist and content creation assistant to the award-winning author, Robin Tobe. So today's focus, you know, we're giving advice to parents on getting their kids ready for back to school. And we talked earlier about getting younger kids classroom ready. And before the break, uh, you know, you guys shared some great budgeting advice for parents with kids going to university or college. So I want to stick with this age group now because I think a big part of the transition into this stage of life, as we started to talk about in the last segment, is not just learning about credit and debt and, and budgeting, but how to manage that debt and ensure that you're setting yourself up for for future financial success. So obtaining a post-secondary education, as we know, is expensive and many students apply for student loans or student lines of credit to help cover the costs. In fact, the Canadian Federation of Students estimates that average student debt is almost $28,000. This is significant debt and of course you want to ensure your child is managing their student loan funding or their student loan credit wisely. It's important to reinforce that this debt that they're carrying now to get them through school, and of course, education is important, but they need to understand that they are going to have to pay it back and it really should not be treated as a financial windfall. So Julie, what advice do you have for parents and and students who may be listening when it comes to borrowing for their education?
1: Right. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, years ago, I did my master's degree in higher education administration. administration and I um, remember a study that showed that Canadian students um, were very much deterred uh, from going to post-secondary education if it was too much, if there's too much debt to take on, whereas American students didn't. And that was really... I could really see that because I was at New York University, NYU, and there were kids there who were, you know, spending $100,000 on a three-year, you know, BA and then going on to do a master's degree where just in Canada, your students just won't do that. Um, So I do feel like our students are a little more aware and cognizant of the impact of loans, and it can be scary for them. And I think that's why having these conversations, talking to, um, you know, professionals who can help them set up a payment plans who can help them get through this because we don't want kids not getting educated right we want their educations are an investment um, but they do need to know how to access the loans how they can maybe access grants um, and then how they can manage it once they once they graduate Yeah, absolutely. And all of those steps,
0: right, are super important. So looking at the debt that you're going to be taking on to get that very important education, as you mentioned, um, how the repayment will work and and what the repayment terms are going to look like down the road, especially if you're taking on more than just sort of government student loan debt, you know, there's going to be different interest rates and, and all that kind of stuff. So really important to have a good understanding.
1: For sure. I think too, and it sounds so like small and insignificant, but I think it's important. I think we need to teach our kids not to ignore things they don't want to deal with. So, you know, when you get those notices in the mail or when you get those bills and you don't want to deal with them, you can't ignore them, you know. So that's, I know I remember so many kids just, you know, ignoring um, notices, uh, emails, notifications, and being like, I'll deal with that later, I'll deal with that later. And it ended up being interest, more interest, more interest, more interest. So what I always say to my kids is eat the frog. Do the thing you want to do least first. So if you've got a notice and you don't want to open that envelope, you open that envelope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So important, right, to make sure that, you know, when you get those bills, you're not ignoring, you are paying them on time, even if it's only the minimum payment that you can afford. And of course, I always encourage people to pay more than their, their minimum so that they actually are getting their debt paid down, but sometimes as a young adult starting out, that's that's the basics of, of where you are, but important that you should do that because, of course, all of that stuff has an impact on the credit rating that you're trying to build, right? So, so let's move on a little bit to talk about um, that now of course many people are encouraged to get a credit card uh, when they become of age to start building that credit history right to start building that uh, that credit rating so I think it is important that kids do apply and and have a credit card but it's also important that they monitor how they're using that uh, credit and making sure they're not you know taking more on than, than they can afford to to repay so one of the things that has come up and there's differing opinions on that so Lauren I'd like to hear from you on this but should parents consider are being on the account with their child and monitoring how they're using the credit as they first get set up.
2: Um, Yeah, I think parents um, should be on the joint account with their child or at least have access uh, to their child's account, especially if this is, um, you know, their student's first foray into being independent. Um, I know that personally, my parents had um, some joint bank account access with me growing up. Um, But when I got to university, they knew I'd be okay, Um, So I eventually did get my own uh, personal account. But I think it's it's good uh, for parents to be involved with their, their children's um, spending and be able to monitor until they really feel like their child has a good handle on um, their finances.
1: I, I, no, I agree. Fun. I agree completely. I think of I think of it as like their training wheels. Like they have their mm-hmm. training wheels on for a while, and then when you're confident they can manage it, I do this with kids with their phones too. When they first get their phones, right? Like I'm like, okay, you got your try. I got to see how you're using your phone, making sure you're using it responsibly. You know how to use the social media tools and you're you your, you know. So it's training wheels, and then they come off. But I also think it really depends on your kid and parents. Um, you know, you know your children. I've got one kid. I I don't have to check in on anything. Um, But I have another child, my eldest child, who's in third year university. He actually is on autism spectrum. So he has some um, deficits when it comes to executive functioning. So sometimes time management, organization, finance stuff. So I'm certainly, you know, still reviewing with him every month what his expense. And he's like, you know, just finished third year. But he requires a little bit more of the the training wheels right so it does depend on your child and how much they need but certainly um for that first little while you want to make sure that that they're doing the right thing
0: no, absolutely. So, so important. So, you know, some advice for kids who are getting their credit card for the first time and you want to make sure that like we said you're managing that credit. So make sure you're paying off your balance in full each month so that you're not incurring those interest charges. Right. Like we talked about credit cards often have anywhere from 15 to 20 percent interest on them, which adds up extremely quickly. Very important that you're not late with your payments to Julie's point. Open your mail. <laughs> make sure that you're getting those payments in on time don't go over your credit limit balances there's often uh, not only high interest but additional penalties that get applied when you go over your credit limit and don't use your credit card to withdraw cash again the interest on that happens immediately not uh, at the end of your billing cycle so really important that you're you're not withdrawing cash from from your credit card so, we've got some time now for some final thoughts, ladies. I'll start with you, Lauren. If you could leave um, our listeners today with a final thought, what would it be?
2: Um, yeah, I think that one of the best things that you can do for your kids is to be a good financial role model yourself. When they see you managing your money well and sticking to a budget, prioritizing needs over wants, they're going to pick up on that behavior and copy it, model it, um, and integrate it into their own lives. So, I think that is one of the best things that you can do. Um, as you mentioned, I work for Robin Tope who wrote a book called The Wise Investment. Um, so she's got um, all sorts of financial literacy tips in there. She talks about the five pillars of money. Um, you can get this book on Amazon, and you can also find um, a free copy of her Values validator on her site, uh, robintobe.com, which is um, all about finding you know what you value and what you spend your money on and you can also discover what kind of financial role model you are to your kids as well by taking her financial role model quiz at the wisest Great. Well,
0: thanks so much for joining me today, Lauren. Thank you. And Julie, if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be?
1: Well, I really do think Laura nailed it. This parenting gig is all about the role modeling. We can teach our kids, we can tell them, we can preach at them all we want, but it is a role modeling gig. So, if uh, you know how you want them to be, make sure you're you're leading that life yourself, and that includes uh, finances. Um, My other thing, I would say, and I feel like I, you know, I've said it a thousand times, but start early, start early. Talk to them about everything, money, all the things. Have the conversations, and parents, you start financially planning early. I home from the hospital with number four and there was a financial planner at our house that night talking about post-secondary education. That's how early we get on it. So uh, especially keep in mind with six and so close in age, we had to get on it early. But um, yeah, it's never too early to start planning your kids' finances.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Julie, right? Like it's so important to always look for those teaching moments, right, with money. Uh, but with really anything uh, in life as your kids are growing up, right, always be cognizant of what those learning moments are and take advantage of them so some great advice for listeners today if people wanted to reach out to you um, wanted to get some more advice or, or find out more about Mabel's Labels what's the best way for them to do that
1: okay well yeah you can find out about me and follow me on all the socials um I, if you go to mableslabels.com slash julie cole and on instagram of course at mabelslabels labels and at julie cole inc and actually i just published a book in may and it hit bestseller and it's called like a mother birthing businesses babies and a life beyond labels and you can get that at any um of your favorite booksellers amazon indigo barnes and noble um any of those usual places Great. Right, well thanks again for
0: joining me today. And also want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. And remember, I always want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, please reach out to me at YourMoney@bdo.ca or give us a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well, everyone.
1: If you have a question or comment, send an email to YourMoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Sneddon a BDO, licensed. Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.